0: Hello, and welcome back to Mind of Success. I'm your host, Moni Millares, a Mexican-British living in Asia. I work in fintech and build digital banks from scratch. In my years in the industry, I've realized most of us are in a vulnerable financial position. However, building a business can be a catalyst for change. So I created this podcast. It's about business stories we do not talk about. I chat with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and experts about their journeys, struggles, and lessons to extract gems of wisdom and practical tools so that we can thrive and create the impact we want. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we have a fascinating guest that I'm really looking forward to speaking with, and this is... Alison Kroon, and what she does is she's the founder of Free W. Basically, she liberates women <laughs> from uh, our own fears and limiting beliefs, and instead, she empowers us to basically do what we really want. And the how she does this is what's the most exciting bit that it's basically she does this by teaching us how to ride a motorbike so if you are like me when they tell you hey i ride a bike it's like i'll give you a ride and you go like no way (laughs) that is scary or your husband or your boyfriend has a bike and then he says hey i've got a bike and you're like no way i'm not getting in there (laughs) Like she is your woman because then she comes and she she basically, it's all about fear. We're not doing that. We're not getting in the bike because of fear. It's a beautiful analogy because that's the same for the rest of our lives. So, Alison, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Monica. I'm super glad to be here and uh, to benefit from your uh, super energy to start my day. So, uh, thank you so much for welcoming me. And I would add as well, thanks for the intro and description. And I would add that. Um, yeah, if your boyfriend is asking you to go on the back of his bike, just learn yourself and take a bike yourself.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, every time someone tells me like I ride a bike, I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> is it not going to work?
1: <laughs> but you know, I mean, strangely enough, um, I would say, I mean, for me, I don't like to be on somebody's motorcycle like because you don't feel in control and it's not only because you need to trust in a way the motorcycle you don't have control of of the environment and you also need to trust the rider when you ride your own bike it's very different because of course you cannot control the environment but you can learn the skills and making sure that you are aware and to do it safely in a safe manner and you are much more in control than when you're a passenger and that's why I always compare it to life in a way because you know when you ride a motorcycle you're taking control of how you adapt to your environment and you're not being the passenger of how where life is taking you you know what I mean?
0: That's such a powerful statement and we have not even started. But it is very true. Yes. It's like just right now, I was like, of course, I have fear of, of riding a bike because I don't feel in control. You know, and even worse, it's not like fear of riding a bike, it's like fear of going in somebody else's bike because, like you say, then I need to, then you know, I'm totally out of control. <laughs> like if I ride, I can stop anytime. If I'm on somebody else's, I'm like, ah! <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. something.
1: Uh... Learning to let go of control in a way, and accepting that there are things which are not in our control, but but there are many things that are. And of course, you cannot prevent a stupid car driver, uh, you know, to do something stupid on the road. But it's exactly the same in life. You cannot prevent, you know one day bumping into a stupid boss or having a bad client or whatever, what matters is how do you react? And in motorcycling, it's the same. It's accepting that there are risks, accepting that you don't have everything into your control, but it's about focusing on what you do control. So how do I learn the right skills so that I can anticipate what might happen on the road? How do I keep my safe distance to protect myself? How do I learn the right skills to be able to quickly change direction? You know.
0: So yeah, cool. So how, tell us a little bit about you. Like, how did you get into, into this? Because like, you have a very interesting professional background too. You've been doing like biking for a long time, but like from a professional perspective, it's like you've worked in basically diverse of roles, diversity of roles in B2B, sales development, international team management. But not only that, you've worked in very interesting environments, like fintech, telco, consulting, that they are very male dominated. And that even changes like the, how we build our confidence and portray ourselves in business and life therefore. So yes, what's your story? Well, I mean, I would say there are two parallel stories
1: that today are merging, so to speak. So I would say that I had my professional life and my personal life. So as you said, professionally, It's kind of by chance, I think like many, I mean, a lot of us when you're like in your 20s and so on, you start the job because you have a certain image of what it is, you study a topic that you like, so I wanted to do international management, and I started working at Orange and I like the job and, you know, like I just you know, follow the flow and, um, and yeah, ended up in male-dominated industry, managing team. I'd love to be in international environment, so developing new markets. And that's how I came to Asia seven years ago. Yeah. But in parallel, um, you know, of this kind of very busy and somehow stressful life yes. of, you know, developing business and being in very fast-paced environment, um, I needed to ride. I've been riding bikes since my youngest age. My parents ride bikes and they ride Harleys. So when I was four oh. years old, I my first motorcycle trip on the back of my dad's <laughs> car. <desk> of- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents they would just take me everywhere. And and then I had my first scooter when I was 14, exactly because my dad didn't want me to go on the back of guys. He said, I don't trust guys. They will try to show up. Show off so there's no way you I forbid you to go on anyone's back except me. And you oh ride your wow,
0: that is you cool. Know? Yes, yeah,
1: so that's that's how I got my first scooter, and then and then I got my first Harley when I was 19, and started my first solo road trip. Yeah, when I was 20, basically. So it's always been part of my life. I never really questioned it or really realized the impact of it. For me, it was just a passion. That's um, cool. But I would say that every year I would make a point of having a road trips to go travel either on my own or with other people. But you know, exactly like some people would do meditation or yoga or other types of sports. So for me, motorcycling was my way of reconnecting with myself or releasing my stress, of you know, yeah, simply be connected with my, my true self in a way and feeling peaceful and um. So yeah, so I had those two words and and when I lost my job end of 2019, so just before the pandemic, um, I was really like, of course, I questioned a little bit everything and what I really wanted to do. And I always had like passion project. I've always been feminist. I've always believed in the power of women. And I've always believed that, you know, the world would be a better place if, we didn't have less rights and less opportunities for half of the population, basically. So um, I've always had initiatives around women empowerment and things like that on the side of my job. And then, um, yeah, losing my job was the best thing that could happen because for once, I really had all the time to really think about what I wanted to do and how to put to good use, all the skills that I've developed in the corporate world, but for a cause and for results that are tangible and that I see make an impact on other people and women in particular.
0: Um, let, me, and let, me I, stop, let me stop you there. You said yeah. something very, very important that we can come back to it uh, later. Many of us, we fear, like we properly fear losing our jobs. I think that's like a common theme across the world. Yeah. Regardless of how old or young or seniority, how much you make, that is just like a common fear, especially now the past two years with the pandemic and everything. I loved your mindset. It was like, hey, losing my job was the best opportunity. And you see that on movies, right? (laughs) But that's it. You don't hear that in real life every day. On the contrary, you hear the story, I lost my job, therefore it has been very, very hard. So what I wanted to expand on is what was your mindset? When you basically lost your job and you went from, oops, I lost my job, loss of income, loss of identity. There's like so many things when you lose your job into this is the best opportunity of my life. Or, well, <laughs> I don't know the best opportunity of my life, but it's a great opportunity. And uh, I'll have time, I'll put everything, all my skills in good use, and I'll make it happen and have that confidence and certainty that it will happen. What was going on through your mind to to basically don't panic <laughs> when you lose your job and instead use it in a very empowering way? Well, I think
1: that, that's a good question. I think many things happen, to be honest. Um, on the moment, I think the the, the the sadness or the kind of feeling lost maybe lasted for a week. But I think I mean naturally, I'm somebody who thinks that all the challenges that are presented in life and everything that happens to you comes for a reason to bring you where you are now. Anyway, you know. So for me, there are always lessons and you know, though I lost my job, it was such a nice experience, I loved my team, we did great things, and, you know, I have good memories, so I think I didn't have any regret, that's mm. the thing, you know, I felt that I give it my all, and I didn't have a sense of regret, that's the first thing, um, so I just thought, okay, that's what it is, and again, I can't control it, you know, they made this decision, that's it, what's the point of ruminating about it, you know, it's not going to give me my job back or whatever, so, what can I do about it and you know like being having all those opportunities and choices in front of me of course was scary because you know in a way when you have freedom and you when you have options you also have the your the responsibility you know for (laughs) happiness and that can be frightening and that's why there are people who don't want to have freedom you know they want to be told what to do in a way it's easier but um But I've always liked my freedom. So I thought, okay, well, assume to the end and then make the choice of what you want to do. And then just after maybe a week after I lost my job, I had planned to do some volunteering and go visit friends in Nepal anyway for for Christmas at the time. So it was Christmas 2019. And, you know, that gives also a bit of perspective. You know, I was like, anyway, in Asia, there's no uh, job safety. And, you know, I'm from France where we have like uh, permanent contracts and things like that. But it's been years that I know there's no such thing. There's no job security in a way. And going to Nepal and seeing as well and knowing and experiencing again how people live day by day. And they are not unhappy, you know, because sometimes, you know, we do all those mindfulness and mindset things to be able to live in the moment. And you know, but uh, but in, in a way I was experiencing that. I was like, okay, I lost my job and now I need to live in the moment. And being in Nepal just make, made me, it was just a perfect timing, you know, like just being in the moment and seeing the life from different people's perspective and so on that just made my loss of job a little bit like, you know, what's the matter it's not a big deal That's you know, important. There such important yeah. things in life you know and, uh, and you know I have competencies and I have savings and I have family if I have a big issue and I can't leave then I just go back to France and go to, with my parents you know like it was not you know it made me uh, put perspective on what was happening yeah. and and then a month later um I learned about, um, I, ha- I had a young cousin, 24 years old, uh, beautiful surfer girl, and uh, she was for a few uh, years in Australia and she committed suicide. And oh my God. Um, that I'm was so like,
0: sorry.
1: yeah, thank you. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you about that because you're asking me what happened in my head and how yes. so I shifted my mindset and didn't just think, oh my God, my loss of job, you know, because. Then when that happened, I just thought, "Fuck! Life is short, and you know, like, and you can't you can't just uh, feel sorry for yourself, you know." Mm-hmm. And that also gave me perspective that how important mental health and mental resilience is, and yeah. you know that reinforced really my idea that, of course, society is trying to, to I would say. It's, society is trying to disempower women because we have a lot of powers and I think that's frightening for society and society is trying to disempower us. But I think that most importantly, we are self-limiting ourselves and our mindset is really what's most important. And oh, yeah, right. the story with my cousin also made me realize that, you know, that it doesn't matter your context. What's, what matters is what's happening inside In
0: Yes, yes.
1: You can have the hicchiest life and be the the happiest person on earth, and you can have the best life on paper and feel miserable, right? Yeah. So
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, So that's
1: what happened in my mind basically. And and then I've always been a risk taker anyway. So then I just thought, okay, let's let's give it a go, you know, let's let's try this company.
0: Amazing. And then for anyone that's listening, I think many people relate to the okay. something happened in life either to you or somebody else and you're like you know what life is short now I'm going to do it I'm going for it I'm going to do the business the side business the passion project whatever it is the relationship the trip like whatever is the thing in your mind but then there's a big difference between making that decision and making it happen so and in my view it's just the well Many people say, oh, have a business plan, have this, have the other. In my view, it's just like start small, start making a little increment step every day, every day, every day. And all of a sudden, like you'll have more clarity and just start doing it. That's how my podcast started. <laughs> in, your, in your life, how did you move from, hey, I want, I want to do this project to starting the project? What what, what was the story?
1: Hmm. That, that's an excellent question, and I agree with you. You can quickly feel overwhelmed, and you can quickly say and drop the idea because you start with a big vision, right? Yes. And I did start with a big vision, like with a three-year plan, 5 years plan about training thousands of women on motorcycles and giving, like, job opportunities to thousands of women across Asia in motorsports and... Mo- and, and Amazing. And- <laughs> And, and I do, I still do have that vision, but I agree with you, at some point, you need to start somewhere. And the way I started, I was just like, okay, I want to, so the, the first concept was, okay, I want to take existing women riders first, um, and I want to take them to travel in Asia, and to experience, because I went traveling to Nepal, um, uh, India, and I was, and usually I was traveling with guys there in the rural areas. And I was always very frustrated that I didn't spend more time with the women there because I was really inspired by their mental resilience and everything they could do and how they could create things out of nowhere. And I was like, I, you know, I I missed this um, woman connection when I was on those motorcycle trips and learning from them. And so that's why I thought, okay, I want to organize women women tours and um okay i know people in nepal i have my team there easy peasy i plan a trip i get five six women i know let's go on a trip and test it and we try to bring nepalese women with us so that they can be trained as well and that they can potentially become tour guides or um and and work for us there so that was the principle and but that was in april 2020 and uh and and that was uh obviously Yes, of course. Uh, just a little a side note. The great news is that even though we have not been able to do this trip yet, the women that I've been engaging with there and so on, they decided to do the tour anyway on their own. And uh, I, I started a crowdfunding platform because they, they asked me if I could support and they didn't really have access to the, you know, English language very well to be able to explain themselves or, you know, put a crowdfunding platform. So I put a crowdfunding platform to help to help them fund these tours. So in October last year, they went on a four-day trip, five-day trips for them. Uh, That was the first all-female Nepalese tour in the Himalayas. That
0: sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so the idea was about tours initially, and and taking women, experience the life of other women, and then through our tours as well, contribute to their economic um, independence and empowerment. Um, So that didn't happen, but I kept conceptualizing all the tools like in Iran and India. And then I realized, hey, look, I'm in Malaysia, I can't go out right now, what can I do in Malaysia? And I realized that also many women, many of my Malaysian friends ride bikes, I realized that they were not really confident Going overseas or doing long rides on their own, and I was like, "Why they've been riding those big bikes as well for so long?" And then I started digging into the problem in Malaysia, the systemic problems of motorcycle schools that they don't really teach you how to ride. They teach you how to get the license, but not necessarily oh. how to ride in the traffic. Or they, you actually, when you do your license in Malaysia, you don't ride in traffic. You go for the theory test, just the theory. They give you an L. And you can already go on the road, and then scary. you pass the test. You pass the test. Once you pass the test on a circuit, you've got your license. But you might never had any experience in riding on the road. So most people just r- ride by experience. So then you won't on the line, road. So it's a jungle, <laughs> like riding a bike in Asia. it's, like, it's, a, it's so then an I experience.
0: Just thought,
1: yeah. So then I just thought, okay, there's something there. I need to have them build confidence and I need to teach them like proper basic skills. And I was looking for trainers and so on, but you know, either you have the riding school trainer or you have the advanced trainers who, you know, teach you like they are BMW certified trainers for advanced skills and so on. There was nothing like for the basics. And, and that's how I started. I just say, okay, I'm going to buy a small bike. And I bought a small Yamaha. And I thought, I, I looked and I found a big parking lot. And I thought, okay, I'm going to teach there. And, and that's how it started. And,
0: yeah. and that's it. How did you do the marketing? How did you get your first few clients?
1: Word of mouth. Word of mouth.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, out.
1: social media is, yeah, but really, really many. I mean, 80% of my customers come from Word of mouth. Women who have learned, or women riders who have friends, you tell them, oh, I'd love to ride bikes. And then, so okay, go see Alison, you know, like go yeah. learn the basics, and you can take your riding license and so on, and she can help you find the right bike. And so, it's many Word of mouth, And then, of course, social media plays a big part. But again, like, this experience with my cousin I think kind of uh, blocked me mentally on social media I'm not really I don't really like social media and sometimes there's so much difference between real life and what people want to portray on social media that I have kind of a little mental blockage there so after months, and now that I've managed to make a bit of money, I decided, okay, I'm going to invest in somebody who can manage my social media because I'm wasting a lot of time there I, and I'm not bringing much results. And I know it's important, you can't do without, but that's not something that I'm enjoying. I prefer to be on the ground and that not, that's not something that I'm good at and that I even want to develop skills at. So I'd, I'd rather outsource it. So
0: that, I think that's an excellent advice. Because exactly, social media is here, that's it, right? So you need it, especially if you want to grow, let's say a global audience, a global like clientele and reach people and for you, I'm thinking like, yes, organize like tours from people all over the world, all these women that ride and they meet and they go to an amazing location, like that sounds amazing. But of course, if you are in Malaysia then the other woman is in Colombia. Then you need to reach her somehow. Social media is important, but I agree with you. It's like, it takes a lot of life, takes a lot of energy. It's not for many of us. It's not our core skill. It's not our passion. We just have to learn it and do it. But how about we focus on what we're really good at and what we love doing, and then outsource that to someone who's really good at that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Rather than spend... Because there's a lot of advice on spend all this stuff. You have to learn uh, really good social media skills and become really good at that. It's like, hey, you have the means. Maybe hire someone Yeah, and, really I, I
1: and And I think that's really, you know, that's really good tips for, for any entrepreneur like that I've, I've learned is that for once, I mean, two things. One, as soon as you get a bit of money, spend it where it's relevant, of course. But I've always had the big, and especially with the context and so on, and sometimes being locked down and being able to coach or whatever. And of course, I have two other jobs on the side right now, you know, but um, but I was but, you know, I, I think I waited a bit too long to start spending the money, you know, because when you point, say
0: spending, you mean invested back in the business, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. not gone spend it buying shoes and bags now. <laughs> And or and whatever yes, you so, say, yeah. so you see Don't invest it back in
1: the business yeah. so spend it back in the business yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly but you picture. see the mindset i would think about like i'm going to spend the money you know whereas actually it's investing you're
0: investing so it. back so, in the yeah. business
1: yes <laughs> yeah yeah exactly to investing in, in the business you're right and you see this mindset because i felt like okay why do i want to spend that money i need to do it myself and so on but i realized that you know, it's, there's always a trade-off. So if you do it and you don't like it or you're not good at it, it's also value of the my time value that I'm wasting. So maybe I'm not spending the money, but I'm, I'm you know, I could be teaching women or doing something that I bring exactly. more value on. Time. You know, during time. Time. You know, time is the most
0: valuable time. resource. Time.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, Yes, be very clear on what you are good at, because we also always want to learn new skills and be good at everything. And that's also very typical of women, I feel, that, you know, we are expected to be good at everything, you know, be good mother, wives, cook, businesswoman, whatever. And when you have your own business, we we have those expectations too. But at some point, you need to accept, no, I'm not good at that. And I don't even want to become good at that. And choose your battles. I'm not specifically good with number, but I feel that it's really important for me to know my business. And that's something that I want to develop on. And that's what I I want to invest time in developing these skills. But the trade-off is that, okay, social media is not for me. I don't like it. And I don't want to develop skills on it. So, you know, make the most of what you already have rather than trying to, you know, necessarily develop yourself in new skills because, you know, in the world now we... You know we have to be good at everything and so on and and this pressure is just useless no focus on what you have what you're good at and capitalize on it that's that's how you start the business right and then you know surround yourself and make enough money that you're differentiating value proposal the value that you bring in the business quickly make money and then you can use this money to surround yourself with people who have complementary skills and believe me, I know it's easier said than done. Ah oh, yes,
0: but uh, but but that's the mindset and the vision, and because, you start yeah. working towards that rather than using exactly. your time to try to be good at everything. And not. Exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly, and yes. that's that's what I'm working on.
0: Yes, yes, yes. it's a journey. Yes.
1: What's the point of having your own business if you end up burning out yourself? You know, a lot of people like leave the corporate world to be free, so to speak, and they end up doing like twice more hours, you know, and weekends yeah. as well. So, what yeah. no. is the point?
0: Okay, so it's been a fascinating conversation, and <laughs> I want to go deeper into the bikes as such what uh-huh. happens during those sessions i am signing up for a session like well not a session probably it will be multiple who knows <laughs> but i'm going they
1: to addictive huh? warning it's addictive
0: yeah it's because i i can see it it's the it's the adrenaline and the confidence and and i really like what you said don't go in the back of somebody else's bike just go and learn and write i'm like oh that is cool that is empowering. I'm like, yeah, no, I want to ride. Let's <laughs> see. Once I once I jump into the bike and I'm full of fear because that's what it is. Then how do you how do you manage that fear? How does learning how to ride helps women with confidence and fear and limiting beliefs and empowerment? How does all that come together? Well,
1: first of all, the way. So disclaimer, I'm not a motorcycle, a certified motorcycle training coach or whatever, you know? So for me, it's well above that in a way. Uh, And second of all, well, of course, I have 20 years of riding experience, but of course I train myself and look online of programs. I'm using like structured programs from the Motorcycle Safety Foundation to help me guide, you know, through, you know, what you need to teach first and so on, because obviously, you know, doing something being good at something and teaching somebody else is very different right so so yes of course i i learned the techniques we start with balance we start with clutch control and then throttle control and then breaking controls and you know so that's i would say the methodology that you know i i follow and that i will not necessarily boil with but i think what is important when it comes to more the mental part of it because you're right 80 percent of it is mindset not skills it's mindset and awareness so when we start the classes we go straight into so first we start with the ambitions i have chats we we take our time with the ladies who come to see me i take the time to understand their ambition their motivation because when you learn something there are always ups and downs so I want to yeah. make sure that I know what will keep them going. And even if, if I'm not here anymore, or they stop the classes, what will keep them keep learning and progressing? So what is the angle, their motivation, their dream, their ambition? And then we address the fears. So I ask them, what are your biggest fears? And we talk to them and I explain to them what are the things that they can um, that they can do to reduce this, those fears. So for just a simple example, Some fear that they might drop the bike. Yeah. Well, okay. I explain to them what happens when a bike drops and what can cause the bike to drop, and I show them how to lift the bike if it if it falls down. And sometimes we just drop the bike ourselves. Okay. Okay. Now it's done. Now you know what happens. You know. And when they drop it, we actually learn from it. So wait, you
0: drop it, and she's on top of the bike, and then.
1: Yeah, we we just uh, I I show them how to to uh, drop the bike without hurting yourself. Oh wow, you know Um, (laughs) I I can feel it like (laughs) oh yes, yes, I know. But but there are techniques to learn, so it's a way of addressing the fear. They might not overcome it straight, but it's a way of addressing them. So that's addressing the fears. Then there is accepting them. So I'm telling them, accept your fear because your fear is what makes you aware. It's when you don't have any more fear that you take useless risk and that you might have accidents or not be aware. So fear is good, you know? Yes. Like accept it and see what it brings to you and the consciousness
0: that it brings to you, you know? It's a beautiful mindset. Fear is good. You just need to address it, understand it and address it. But fear is good yes it helps you exactly and and then of course there
1: is the stage of overcoming it but usually i don't push them to overcome it they just it just comes naturally because once you accept it and you don't fight against it and once you address it and you understand it naturally there's no
0: fear yes
1: there's no fear yeah you know and uh and then of course there's fun i mean you know, like, I, and I do believe every woman that comes, I have women, I had a woman who came, one from Yemen. Um, she couldn't even ride a bicycle at the beginning, you know? So it's like anyone, I always say anyone can ride, but not everyone should ride. So anyone can, but then it's a question, do you have the right mindset? Are you not too much of a risk taker? Do you have, are you, do you have balance? Because there are people who are naturally not balanced. or are mistaken. I, I had the students who took classes with me and she said, you know what? I loved it. It showed me how to build confidence. I love the fun of it. But you know, I realized it's not for me because I drive my car while watching my mobile. And I don't think I could do that with my motorcycle. I say, oh, yeah. I'm
0: definitely a driver,
1: to be honest. You know? But You know, some people are just not made for it. And that's perfectly fine. You know, I'm not like, my mission is not to make everyone a rider or a good rider, you know, but it's just giving them the opportunity to try something, to overcome their fear, to realize what they are made of, you know? And so that it just opens up opportunities and options because most of women, they would say, oh no, I cannot ride or I'm not capable. Or my family says it's dangerous or whatever. So it's just an opportunity for them to make up their own mind you know, and then make their own decision. Yes, it's for me, no, it's not for me. And to realize physically of what they are capable of, you know, of overcoming their fears. And then they can apply that to anything in life they want to do.
0: That is absolutely amazing. Like, and I've never thought about riding a bike that way. You know, like, it's just a, that's not what I do (laughs) because there's fear. And I never thought, probably even the, the how do you explain how to overcome fear. It's not the traditional, oh, I saw the fear and now I need to overcome it. It's more of a, hey, I understand the whole situation and then I understand why it's happening, what to do if it happens. And by understanding and accepting, then I naturally go like, ah, oh, yeah, So, I have the paint, the painting in my mind of what's going on and what may happen and how I could address it. Therefore, the fear just disappears as such. If it's the right thing for you, or by understanding the situation, it's kind of, um, you know what, this is not my thing. And you decide not to do it. It feels more like now that I talk about it like that. It feels like a risk assessment at work. <laughs> like, that you're like, yes, exactly. hey, it is, so these ridiculous. are the risks. This is how we do it. This is how we mitigate them. This is, this even if we medicated, this would still happen. This is the worst case scenario. This is like likely to happen, likely not to happen. Based on that, you make a decision. That's like at work. That's like risk yeah, assessment. Yeah, ex- at work. exactly. And exactly. It's using that mindset here, but not only in biking, but like life.
1: Yeah, yes, completely. And uh, that actually brings me to the idea that's also the reason why um, more and more, I mean, right now I'm also trying to focus to increase the impact and also um, give the opportunity to more women. Um, I've developed a corporate offering. So now I want to go to companies and tell them about that experience and how they can, you know, especially organizations who want to encourage women in leadership roles, that they want to encourage women to go out of their comfort zone. And and I want to work with organizations on, you know, how to do that and how I can build program with them around motorcycling for their their female employees. Because I've been discussing with organizations who are into like a woman leadership and so on. And and even like uh, coaches, like business coaches, for leaders. And they always tell me, you know, the problem, of course, there is the systematic and the social, uh, you know, pressures and constraints and so on. But most of the time, women don't take leadership roles because they don't think they are capable or because they, they are afraid or because of the social stigma that if they have leadership roles, they can't be like uh, good housewives or mothers or whatever. So it's really, it's really often the women that prevent themselves, you know? So so I'd love to work with with organization doing that. And and another part as well, you know, with with regard to fear, there's also the crowd effect. So in my classes, I always have at least two women together most of the time. So except for the real beginners, sometimes I do like one-on-one, but usually there are two, three women. And there is this sense of, you know, encouragement. It's crazy how they support each other and how they feel inspired by each other. You know, and they're like, Oh my god she managed to do that okay i want to try just i want me to yeah and i've seen the difference because before i was just training one woman and one woman and i realized that when we are two or three they progress faster they literally progress faster i can see it is just so tangible you know because they kind of and you know support each other and then encourage each other and yeah. they just progress faster
0: that's the power of community yeah, That's it, it's the power of collaboration and community, like yeah. nicely expressed. So what would you say, what comes to your mind as final remarks for anyone that's listening?
1: Uh, well, I would use, um, I would use my, my motto to say, um, you know, learn to write, free your mind.
0: Learn to write free your mind. I love it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I love it. I love it. And I could keep going back for another two hours. <laughs> okay, I'm sure yeah. i am sure. meet you, you know. <laughs> right. But yes, I'm sure I'll see you. I'll see you physically soon. <laughs> so before yes, we it's, end.
1: We're <laughs> waiting for the, for the class, huh? you yes, know.
0: Yes, yes yes. You yes. yes, come yes. Yes. Um, before we finish, uh, where can we find you? Uh,
1: well, you can find me online, obviously, uh, if you type um on social media, um, and then you can find my number there. Uh,
0: yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, getting into your mind, understanding your business. It's been amazing. Thank you so much, Alison. It's
1: been a great pleasure, Monica. Thanks a lot for welcoming me and uh, sharing your morning energy. Like uh, I'm super happy to start the day this way. So uh, happy Chinese New Year.
0: Yes, happy Chinese New Year for everyone. Uh, Thank you. And well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you next week. Remember to re-listen to the episode again and take notes of the one thing that will make the most impact in your life and go and take action. Okie dokie. See you next week. Bye. Bye.